All right, Rabosei, good evening. So first of all, a tremendous thank you to Reb Chaim for delivering the shir last night with, uh, with, with about 10 minutes notice. So right, I, I, it's really just a tremendous Akar Satov. I, didn't, I, I apologize, I was speaking at a different event and it was, ran about an hour 45 minutes behind uh, behind schedule, and I couldn't leave as I was on the schedule to speak as well. And uh, so, thank you, Chaim, about the intention. It must have been a different event. It must have been a different event. <laughs> Either or we missed each other there also. Yes, Chaim is on the speaker circuit now. Baruch Hashem, I'm going to put him on the map. But seriously, on a thursday, well, thank you so much, Chaim. You know, I, I didn't want to cancel the shir, so thank you, Chaim, for stepping up, Mamish, last minute. So we are picking up. So tonight we are up to Chaf Aleph Ahmed Aleph. Where did you leave off? Sorry, Chav Bezmedalov. Sorry, four lines down, three lines down. Umisle. Okay, perfect. Okay, so let's let's begin. Sigmar says Umisle the Rabbi Yehuda hirhur. So does Rabbi Yehuda actually subscribe to the concept of hirhur? In other words, does he say that if a person thinks words of Torah but doesn't actually say them, that halacha lamaisa that that is permitted? Vatanya, we learned. We learned the following. So we learned that if you have a balkari, a man who had a seminal emission, and he doesn't have water for immersion, right? he, doesn't have, he doesn't have access to a mikvah. So what's the halacha? He says shema, but he doesn't make the brachas before or afterwards. Furthermore, again, he eats his bread. Right? And if he eats his bread, he doesn't make a bracha before he eats, but he does make a bracha after he eats. But again, any bracha that he's not permitted to make, he could cogitate on, right? He could think of the bracha, he could, you know, mentally dwell on the bracha, as long as he does not actually say the words with his lips. These are Div Rabbi Meir. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, So this is incredible. Rabbi Huda says that a Balkari could recite anything. Malachary could recite anything. So obviously now we have a contradiction because ultimately beforehand we were saying that Rabbi Yehuda requires hirhur, that in the situation of a Balkari, where halacha lamais again, he doesn't have access to a mikvah, the most he can do is go ahead and cogitate on these brachas or on these tfilos. But here Rabbi Yehuda is on record as saying that halacha lamais, so you could articulate it. So what's... Cogitate means to, to think, to think about to think about. Yeah, it's actually not one of my made-up words. It's actually, it's, it's actually a real, it's actually a real word. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's actually, it's actually real. I know, I know. The problem is my, <laughs> my verbal credibility has eroded over the years, given, uh, it's fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, I'm How do you reconcile this apparent contradiction in the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda? So we'll say this is very interesting. Rabbi Huda essentially made davening like learning the halachos of Derecharetz. Now we'll say, what are the halachos of Derecharetz? So I'm going to go a little bit out of order in Rashi over here. If you'll notice on this daf, Rashi actually is in both columns, on the right and on the left. If you look at the last two lines on the right-hand column, Rashi says, Hilchos Derecharetz, Kigon, Darchen Shel Tamid Yechachavim, Shibraisa, Uperek ben Azai, Hanosein Arba Dvarim Elibo. So say there is, or there was at least, a body of rabbinic teachings called Hilchos Derecharetz, or Mesechas Derecharetz. And Mesechas Derecharetz, again, just like it sounds like, there were all these different halachas just about how to be a mensch. How to have Derecharetz. So, for example, the, the halacha that Rashi is referencing over here is that a Talmud Chacham can't act arrogant. 
Can't act arrogant, right? Tam may have a lot of wisdom, may have a lot of power, may have a lot of influence, but Allah he has to remain humble. So this is interesting. So Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, so we're going to see over here that Rabbi Huda allows a Balkari to learn Hilchos Derecharetz. Right? That's, we're going to see that in just a moment. And effectively, Rabbi Huda treats Tfilah like Hilchos Derecharetz as well. The same way you can learn the Halachos of Derecharetz without going to the Mikvah. Let's say, by the way, what's going to be the logic of, of well, actually, let's see. Let's, let's, let's go a little bit weiter. We'll look at the rice. of Valdatam Levonecha Valivnei Vonecha. Uksiv, so we'll say the Pasik says, <coughs> the Pasik says, you shall go ahead and literally to teach your to teach your children and your grandchildren. Instruct them, which ultimately again, and right afterwards, what does it say? Right afterwards it says, What should you instruct your children and your grandchildren about? Remind them about Sanaitic revelation. Actually, very apropos to Parashas Yisrael. Right? Remind them that we stood at Har Sinai. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that I'm supposed to instruct my children and my grandchildren about Har Sinai? What, is that, what, what, what's, what does that mean? So the Gemara says it's incredible. So teach us the following halacha. Just like I will say, when we received the Torah, right? We didn't receive the Torah. We didn't receive the Torah kind of like in a relaxed, chilled fashion. But rather, again, how did we receive Torah? We received Torah literally, again, with fear, with trepidation, with trembling. Af kan be'ema b'yira bereses u'bizia. So too, again, any time that you learn Torah, Torah should be learned in this same emotional state with this fear, with this trepidation, with this trembling. Now, what does that mean, Abosai? What, is, what does that mean practically? So first of all, before we go on, I'll tell you something. Well, actually, let's finish this up. He says, Mikan Amru, based on this we learned, Hazavim v'amitzaroim, uboin al nido, al nidos, butarim nikros b'torah, b'nevim b'ksuvim, lishnos b'mishno, b'gimara, b'halochos, b'agados. So I'll say Azov, right? So Azov remembers a man who has an emission, but it's not a seminal emission. Mitzora, someone who has saras, we loosely translate as leprosy. Ba'in alanidos. This is about a man who accidentally had relations with a woman who's in nida. Now Rashi points out over here, we must be talking about a situation where he went to the mikvah, so the seminal emission issue was taken care of. But we'll say the halacha is that if a man has relations with a woman who's in nida, the same way that a woman who's in nida is temea, she's, ritual, she's ritually impure, if a man has relations with her, he too is now ritually impure as well. Right, but we're a case over here where he's ritually impure, but he went to the mikvah for, for being a balkari. All of these people are permitted to learn Gan's Torah, right? They can learn, they can learn the entire Torah. Aval, Baalekerion Asurin. But a balkari, a man who has a seminal mission, is not permitted to go ahead and learn Torah until when? Until ultimately he goes to the mikvah. Now, both say, now what, what's, what, exactly, what exactly is this limud? So, both say, this is really very interesting. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Mikan Amru, right? still in the right hand column, like in the middle of the right hand column. So, both say, look at this limud, it's actually quite fascinating. The juxtaposition of the two phrases, you will instruct your children and your grandchildren, and then right after that is the phrase, the day in which you stood at Har Sinai. So what does that do? What that teaches us is, when Torah is learned in future generations, Torah must be learned in the same state as it was received at Har Sinai. Just like at Har Sinai, what was received with a sense of awe and trepidation and trembling, so to Torah, can only be learned in a state of awe, 
trembling, seriousness, and fear. Now, what does that mean? So therefore, even if a person is Tameh, they can still learn Torah. Why? Because Tumah has nothing to do with levity. Nothing to do with levity, right? Again, a person comes to me. If a man becomes a Balkari, he has a seminal emission, so there's quite a possibility that he was... Again, one, one possibility is that it was permitted intimacy, but there are, there are a number of other possibilities, a nocturnal emission of some sort, or just an emission of some sort. That may be representative, ultimately, of a less than serious type of behavior. So it's an interesting limit over here. Rabbi Huda is saying is that halacha lamaisa, Torah requires a seriousness. I remember that when I first, uh, when I came back from Eretz Yisrael, I was learning it in Yeshiva University. The, the mashkiach there was Rabbi Yitzchak Kohn. And I remember the first, uh, the first Moser Shmuz that he gave on Thursday night, first Moser Shmuz, is that, and he was interesting, he said, you will never become a Talmud Chacham if you learn Torah with your feet up a Gemara in one hand and your Coke in the other hand. And I remember like, like as a kid, like listening to it, like, I don't know, it sounds pretty nice. You know, that sound, sounds great. But what he was trying to teach was such a, was such, so I'll say, herein lies the distinction between Torah and other bodies of knowledge, right? If you're studying history or you're studying literature from which there is, whatever, whatever discipline, which, which there is so much to learn, you don't need to necessarily be in a particular state of spiritual preparedness in order for that information to be absorbed into your mind, right? You want to sit, you want to, you want to stand, you want to have your feet up. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as your mind is open. You'll, you'll, you'll absorb the information. Torah is different. Torah is just fundamentally different. Torah is, you know, the Chazal called, the Midrash calls Torah, the daughter of the Ribbono Shal Olam. Torah is the embodiment of divine wisdom. That only permeates the soul if a person is in the right state of preparedness. If, if, if I'm not in a serious state, if I'm not in a serious state, then at the end of the day, you might get some knowledge. You might get some knowledge. You might pick up facts but you're not going to absorb the enormity of Torah. It's really, so it doesn't literally mean that when a person sits down and learns every single time, they have to be like shaking and quaking and fearful and this, that. What it means is a seriousness. Just a seriousness. And I will say, you know, this is like a big thing for us today. You know, just, just like, you know, kind of, you know this, right? You know that so much of my experience with Torah is dependent on the frame of mind I am in when I sit down to learn, right? If I'm distracted or whatever I'm doing. So I'll hear information. It really doesn't imprint on my neshama. But if I'm in the right mental state, right? If I'm plugged in, if I'm tuned in, then Torah doesn't just enter my mind, it enters my soul as well. So interestingly enough, this is just a fascinating insight. Now you begin to understand why why this like preoccupation with the Balkari, right? Why, what, 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 what does it matter? A man had a civil mission, didn't have a civil mission. Why, why does that have an impact on his ability to learn Torah? Because again, the seminal mission could happen for a whole variety of reasons. Some of them permitted, but some of them also as a result just of not being careful with one's thoughts or not being careful with what one looks at or a variety of different things. So that represents, that represents a diminished spiritual attentiveness. And when I have a diminished spiritual attentiveness, Torah doesn't have the same level of impact on me. It's a really, it's a really incredible idea. So the Gemara goes right there. So, so a person who is Balanida is better than someone who is just... <coughs> it's a person who is Balanida 
went to the mikvah for his balkir. So he's tame. He's tame. Now again, remember, we're talking about a situation. Let's assume over here he was he didn't intentionally have relations with Anita, right? Again, he was with his wife, and it turns out that she was Anita, you know, or whatever the circumstances were. It doesn't have to be a case of a guy who mamish like hineni muchla muzuman to commit navera. If it was intentional, the halacha would still be the same. In other words, if yes, yes, if it was intentional, it would be the same because again, it's a din in tumah. It, it's the same. It's the same difference. What happens if if a person goes out tonight and decides, you know what, I'm eating a cheeseburger and a diet Dr Pepper? I have to get that in. I have to. I have to get that in. I have to get that in. Right. So again, are you allowed to learn Torah afterwards? Yeah. Right. But I. I, I just did Navira. Like amazing. See. See. Again, it's it's Chazal chose to kind of like. There, there's a certain lack of seriousness or lack of attentiveness that could potentially precede these non-permitted intimacy seminal emissions. I think that's really what Ezra was focused on over here. Because in Avera, we do plenty of Averas, yet we still learn. Seems to be Dafka focus on the Balkari. So the Gemara goes right. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Shonehu Birgilios. So Rabbi Yossi says, you could learn things that you are accustomed to. In other words, if, you, if, a person, if a person ultimately, again, is a Balkari, so they can't learn anything but stuff that they are well-versed in, they are allowed to learn. As long as you don't begin to go ahead and delve into Mishnah. In other words, you can't learn in depth. You could kind of just learn a little bit superficially with things, topics that you're already knowledgeable about. You could delve into Mishnah, excuse me, but you can't delve into Gemara. Rabbi Nasser Menav, Shalom Omer, Af Matzias HaGimara. You can even go ahead and delve into Gimara. As long as you don't mention the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu whenever it's brought up in Gemara. Okay? So, we'll say, so just different opinions really as to what like the Balkari is allowed to do. Rabbi Yochanan HaSandler, Tamidosh Rabbi Akiva, Mishur Rabbi Akiva Omer. So Rabbi Yochanan HaSandler, who was a student of Rabbi Akiva, we'll say, I'll just point out over here, you know, it's always striking. Right? Why don't you just call him Rabbi Yochanan? Why don't you call him Rabbi Yochanan HaSandler? Why don't you call him Rabbi Yochanan the Shoemaker? So we'll say, remember again, everything in the Gemara is meaningful and impactful and teaches us dramatic lessons. A lot of times we think that greatness in Torah is only reserved for those people whose sole occupation is Torah. But if I have a day job, if I have a day job, then okay, I could learn, I could definitely learn, but I don't, I don't really have the ability or the bandwidth or the time to really become great in Torah. So we'll say, what does the Gemara do? The Gemara tells us that that is patently false. <laughs> there are plenty of people who had occupations, plenty of people who had day jobs. Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, right? It's not a metaphor. He was a shoemaker. That's, that's, that's what he did. That's what he did. And yet with that, he became great in Torah. Anyone could become great in Torah if they choose to apply themselves to the learning and absorption of Torah, even if my days cannot be spent fully immersed in the base of It's a really incredible idea. So Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says in Rabbi Akiva, Leikanis lemedrish kal ikar, that a Balkari shouldn't learn medrish at all. The Amrila, Leikanis lebeis hamedrish kal ikar. Others say Rabbi Yochanan Sandler meant to say that a Balkari shouldn't enter into the base medrish at all. Rabbi Hudon Rabbi says, Shonehu behilchos derecharetz. So Rabbi Huda said, remember what says we saw before, that a Balkari is permitted to learn the halachos of derecharetz. Literally, the halachos of derecharetz. The Gemara tells a story. Maise Rabbi Huda, we will say first of the wide lines, Maise Rabbi Huda, Shera'a Keri. Listen to this. So Hayyam Ahalecha Gavanar. So we'll say, listen to this. One time Rabbi Huda had a seminal emission. A seminal emission. And he was walking on the banks of the river with his students. 
And what happens? Amrulo Tamidov. So his students said to him, Rabbeinu, Shana Lano Perak Echa Behilchos Darecharis. They said, Rabbi, teach us a halacha in Hilchos Darecharis. Watch this story, by the way. What did he do? Riyarad Vitaval Vishanalahem. He jumped in the river. He went to the mikvah. He went to the mikvah. Amrulo. <coughs> so the students said, Rabbi, so Rabbi, you taught us that a Balkari is permitted to learn Hilchos Darecharetz. So why did you have to go to the mikvah? Even though I am lenient for others, I am machmir on myself. So both say, there's a lot of really profound, a lot of really profound lessons in this story. So first again, I both say, what's really interesting about this is you would think that like for the Rebbe to kind of jump in the river, to kind of jump in the river, thereby acknowledging that he had a seminal emission, <clears throat> whatever the source of that is, um, is like a little bit awkward. Like a little bit awkward. Yet I will say, yet amazingly, it's not. You know, part of the beauty of Yiddishkeit is that the truth is, there are normal things in life. There are normal things in life. You know, we'll say, you know, Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva. We know that when a woman is in Nida, there's a series of harchakos. <clears throat> in addition to intimacy being prohibited, there are other things that are prohibited. So one of the things that you can't do when your wife is in need is you can't hand her something directly. So someone asked her, Moshe Shaila was a newlywed couple, and they were with family for Shabbos, and they knew the situation was going to come. I don't, know, I don't remember the, all the details, but essentially it was by Havdalah, they're passing around the Bissamim. So the husband is good, wants to hand it directly to his wife. Why? Because if he puts down the Bissamim, puts down the Bissamim, ultimately again, and then his wife picks it up, everybody's going to see, ah, she's a Nida. She's a Nida. So, so Rav Moshe said, so Rav Moshe said something amazing. Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe answered, he said, first of all, everyone should mind their own business. Right? Yeah. That's number one. That's number one. He said, number two, who cares if people know that she's a Nida? When a woman is a Nida and she's menstruating, that means that her body is working normally. That means that she's a healthy woman. It's, it's, it's a part of life. It's, it's not shameful. It's not embarrassing. It's not part of the beauty of Yiddishkeit. And, and this is the incredible, yeah, so Rabbi Huda had, Rabbi Huda had a seminal emission. It sounds strange, right? It sounds strange just to say it. Rabbi Huda had a seminal emission. So students wanted him to teach them Torah. He's like, all right, guys, give me a second. Let me just go into the mikvah. Goes into the mikvah. Like, it's the beauty of Torah that, that Yiddishkeit, Yiddishkeit embraces all of the realities of life and teaches us how to navigate them. And ultimately, again, there's no need for embarrassment or no need for awkwardness in any type of situation. It's really beautiful. The, the other takeaway lesson as well say, is that last line before the two dots. Rabbi Yudha said, ani ani This is the most incredible mantra for life. The most important mantra for life. Be mekel, be lenient for other people and be stringent with yourself. If you want to have normal human relationships, you need to learn to give people a pass. If you hold people to the highest standard, you are going to be perpetually disappointed because people try, but often who says I'm setting the right standards for them? So ultimately, the best way to live life is with almost no expectations of anyone. No expectations. And that way, when people do something incredible, they've exceeded expectations. You're like, wow. There are people who walk through life and they expect everything from everyone. And what's their general disposition? General disposition is they're brigus, they're angry, they're disappointed, they're disillusioned, and they're jaded. Just to name a few qualities, right? <laughs> right? And like, like, I can't believe this one didn't do this, and this one didn't do that. Well, first of all, who gave you the right to create expectations for other people? How do you know even they have the ability to live up to them? And why do people have to live up to the expectations that you set for them? 
Instead, there's a better approach. Expect nothing of no one. Now, I know when people say that, it often sounds cynical. But it's not cynical. It's not cynical. Just be makeal with people. Go through life knowing people try their best. They try their best. Do they come through? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Do they try? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. But be makeal with other people. And suddenly you're able to see that, wow, I can really get along with almost everyone. But... While it's good to be makele on other people, never be makele on yourself. When it comes to the standards you hold yourself to, when it comes ultimately to the expectations you have of yourself, then you got to be machner. Be makele for other people. Don't hold them to such high standards or expectations. But ultimately, again, hold yourself to the highest levels of expectations. Be machmir with yourself. All right, Debo, so stop over here for tonight. Again, it's Rendez Shalat Rabbi Chaim for last night. Everyone is invited to join us for Chasidos. Emir Hashem beginning now.